0: Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Hey, My name's Johnny. I'm one of the pastors here at the Local Church. Just want to give a shout out. Hey, if you're watching online uh, today, a shout out to you. Thank you for inviting us into your home. Normally we have... Uh, a few hundred people that watch online, some locally, some everywhere. I got some old Oklahoma friends, I haven't lived there since 2007, but some old Oklahoma friends that watch uh, as well, Boomer Sooner, uh, Go Pokes, that pleases just about everybody there. Hey, we're glad you're watching online. Uh, A shout out also to Everglades Correctional. Man, you guys uh, are, are awesome. Pastor Buddy does a great job there. Uh, just know we pray for you. You share so many prayer requests with us. Pastor Buddy goes on Wednesdays, and you guys share prayer requests with us, and we pray for those. We pray for your families. We pray for uh, your your, your sons, your daughters, your grandchildren. Uh, We pray for that reentry that some of you are getting ready to make. The best is ahead for you. Don't ever doubt it, and uh, thank you. And it's humbling, church, because I will often read that they're praying for us. They're praying for the local church, so we are Familia Everglades. God bless you guys, and hey, if you're visiting today online or here in the auditorium, if this is your first time uh, to be with us, I want to invite you back. Just consider this your invitation uh, back for next week. Pastor Eric will be back next week. He's our lead pastor, our main speaking pastor, uh, and he's going to start a brand new series. It's called Life After Death. It's going to answer a lot of questions. We have numerous questions, don't we, about what is ahead for us. And so there's going to be some invite cards. You're going to hear more about that at the end of the service. But if you're visiting, come back. If you're looking for a church home, uh, come back and, and, and see how we treat the Word of God. How do we worship? If you've got kids, put them in Kid Street. See how that goes. Bring your middle school, high schoolers to local youth. Uh, get to know us. Yay. Get to know us a little bit better. Let us get to know you uh, a little bit better and see if this is a place that God would have for you. We would love that. But today is the sermon before the series. The sermon before the series. And I want to talk about something today. I've titled this message, Please Identify Yourself. And, and you've got to do it with this finger. Please identify yourself. Very important to do that. Because today I feel like the church, I feel like we as believers struggle with something. And I'm going to use the word pandemic. I know we're, we're sick of that word, but I'm going to use the word pandemic. I almost feel like it's pandemic, listen, that we don't know who we really are in Christ. That we don't know who we are in Him. And, and that we don't always live out that identity like we should. It, it's kind of like the koala. The koala, if I had an Australian accent, I would use it right here, but I don't. The koala, you know that that cute little thing looks like a teddy bear, right? But did you know it's not a bear? The koala is not a bear. Do you know why? He doesn't meet the koalifications. Come on, man. Give me that one, 1030. Come on. Pastor Eric said I get one dad joke, so I've used it, I've used it early, early on. Uh, but but in, in, in all seriousness, if we don't know who we are in Christ, I'm convinced as, as, a, as a pastor, as, as a counselor, as somebody who gets in the weeds with lots of people, I'm convinced that so much of our anxiety, our depression, our loneliness, despondency, fears, worries, doubts, even into hopelessness, I'm, I'm convinced that so much of that could either be done away with or at least the severity of it wouldn't be nearly as great if we knew who we were in Him, if we know who we are in Christ. If we don't know who we are, how do we know where we're going? How do we know where we're going to end up being or what we're going to end up being? That's horrifying. And that's the basis for a lot of emotional, mental health issues. So today we're going to unpack some of this uh, together. Um, And so we're going to, let me give you a little bit of background here. We're going to be in Genesis, we're going to be in Exodus, uh, and then we're going to end up about the last half of the message on. We're going to be in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We call it the book uh, of Ephesians. It's his his letter to the church at Ephesus. But let me start with a little bit of background before we jump into Genesis 1.1. Now you may say, What's before 1-1? There's not a lot of background here to give. Uh, But but, but I want to talk about the reason it was written. Because we know that Moses wrote the first five books, right, uh, of of the Old Testament. The Torah, the Pentateuch, Moses wrote those. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The reason he he wrote those is because um, the Hebrew people had just been delivered from 400 years Of slavery. God's people, the Israelites, had been delivered after 400 years. They weren't really called Jews till the promised land in Judah. That's when they were called Jews. So they're Hebrews, they're Israelites, children of Israel. But they had just been delivered 400 years in captivity, in slavery, in a pagan nation. What would God want them to know? Well, He would probably want them to know who He was and who they were. And that's what the Torah does, and that's especially that first part of it, who is God? Because, no, God is not an alligator, God is not a bull, God is not a Pharaoh, and Pharaoh is not God. Who is God? Who who he was and who they are, he's going to begin with, with, with giving them identity, And so God begins at the beginning. We're going to begin at the beginning as well today. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Bereshit bara Elohim et ha va-et ha-eretz. That sounds German. I promise you it's Hebrew. It's not done very well. I took it twice. I passed it twice. I forgot it twice. So that's what you get. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Here's my last attempt. Tohu vavohu. Not tofu, my vegan friend. Tohu vavohu. It's just fun to say. With, without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, that is, that is a bold statement. In the beginning, God It's what we call an a priori statement. It's self-evident. Notice Moses didn't give this long preamble for uh, where God came from as the regional deities, as Egypt would have done. This long preamble that that our God was one of many gods and and he was in the courtyard and he battled other gods and he, he got a seat at the table and slowly he started killing off the other ones and he worked his way up and now he's the main God. None of that. Because that's pagan. That's That's not true. In the beginning, God. It's just self-evident. In the beginning, God created us. God created this. God gave order and meaning and function to it all. And here's here's our first big thought for the day, and here's why this is important that we get this. This a priori, self-evident, in the beginning, God, is because if you're not rooted in the creator, you'll be rooted in the culture. If you're not rooted in the Creator, if you're not identified in Him, you're going to be be rooted in the culture. That, ladies and gentlemen, is just a fact. It's a fact. If you're not rooted in Him, if I'm not rooted in the Creator, I'm going to find identity, I'm going to find my roots in whatever surrounds me. That's not theoretical physics, that's human nature. That's just the way humans do it. I'm going to find my identity in whatever is surrounding me if I'm not rooted in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If if I don't find my very roots right there. And let me talk to parents for a little bit here. Um, Because this is important. It's important that you teach your children who God is. That's That's important. Let me put it this way. If you don't teach your children who God is, TikTok will do it for you. If you don't teach your children who God is, the world will do it for you. If they're in middle school, they're going to have a group of eighth graders. They're going to teach, they're going to teach, you, uh, teach your child about God for you. In, in college, your fraternity brothers, they're going to teach your, your, your young person about God for you. If we don't teach our children who God is, the world will do it for us. And I have seen, I don't want to overblow it, I don't want to uh, hyperbole this to death, but I have seen... A lot of young people from middle school high school and and not all of this not all of this is is all that unusual but but the degree of it is now middle school high school on through college even on through their 20s that 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 are wandering around almost aimlessly no meaning no purpose and, and they're finding identity in anything and everything out there and that's that's dangerous that's dangerous. So let me ask you uh, this morning, is this self-evident God evident in you? In the beginning, God, thats self-evident statement, is this self-evident God evident in you? Do you live a self-evident life? God is, is evidently, he's in me. It's a priori. People just see it. What would your family say? What, what would your spouse say? What would your children say? What would your coworkers say? Can they see God in you? Because we all have a proclivity to return to the sin that once ensnared us. We all have a a proclivity to go back to that thing that, that um, that we were once enslaved to. We all have a proclivity to marry the world rather than redeem the world. It's always easier to slip back than it is to go forward. Forward is our identity in, in the Lord. And listen, I've been walking with, with God for 42 years now. Uh, I, was, I was 18 when I gave my heart to Christ. I've been walking with Him for 42 years. You guys are doing math, okay? I'm 60. just 40, 42 years I've been walking with, with, with the Lord. But I can tell you'd think 42 years. I put a lot of distance between me and Egypt. I put a lot of distance... I can still smell it. I don't care how long you've walked with God. We're we're, we're all but about one day away from making some major mistakes. We're all about one day from from turning around and heading back to that thing that once ensnared us. So this thing, identity, is important. It's important. So let's look at uh, some people who also had a proclivity to go back. Because that's sort of just... Uh, the fallenness in us. I want to I go to Exodus 14. We're going to look at the Hebrew people after again. This is after they've been delivered. Now, before we put it on the screen, we're going to be in Exodus 14, beginning in verse 10. But before we put that on the screen, let me, let me tell you where these people are. These are delivered people. They're delivered. Moses, through the hand of God, the power of God, the 10 plagues, and Pharaoh saying, yes, get out, don't come back. Uh, they've been delivered, but they're two or three days out. They're at the Red Sea is in front of them. And now if you listen really carefully, if everybody gets real quiet, and you listen real carefully through the valleys of the desert, you can hear hoofbeats. Pharaoh's changed his mind. And, and, and people look back and there's a cloud of dust way, way back. There. Pharaoh's changed his mind. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? The Red Sea in front of us, Pharaoh coming behind us. And by the way, we are rescued and redeemed people. They were rescued people as well. I want you to, under, I want you to understand that. These are delivered people. To the Jews, the exodus is what the cross is to the Christian. Uh, we've, been, we've been set free. Egypt for them, death, hell, the grave, sin for us. Both have a promised land. Okay, so we're delivered people. They were delivered people. We have a lot in common here. Let's see what happens when something's in front of them. Egypt is behind them. Let's look at it. Verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Now, I'm not sure what no graves in Egypt. I mean, I know people died. They buried people or or whatever. But it's cynical. They're afraid. They're upset. Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in this wilderness. Moses, what are you doing? This is too hard. It's too hard. But again, I mean, these are delivered people. You just saw God do all kinds of wonderful things. But this is too hard. Now, we know what happens. God opens up the Red Sea. They cross through on dry land Once these million and a half uh, people get through, these Hebrew people get through, we know Pharaoh follows, the sea collapses in, they die. Let's pick it up from there. We're a month and a half later now. Let's see what happens now. Red Sea behind them, Pharaoh's army behind them. And they journeyed from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. The word sin there is not our English word for sin. It's the root of Sinai. So the wilderness of sin, you can't book a room there. Okay, don't try. It's, it's, it, this is geography. It's not behavior. Um, people can get that confused. On the 15th day of the second month, they're a month and a half after they departed the land of Egypt, then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained. They complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the pots of meat and ate our cornbread to a full, they wanted, what did they want? They wanted meatloaf and cornbread, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Here's the first biblical instance of being hangry. They were hangry. They're hungry. They're upset. You you saved us from all this, and now we're gonna die of hunger. Listen, church, here's what we can take from this. Your identity in him will be challenged. Your identity in him, in God, in Christ, in Jesus will be tested. This, if you haven't noticed, is a fallen world. It's not as it was created, perfect. It's not as it will end up, perfect. Right now, it's fallen. Your identity in him is going to be Tested sometimes daily. Some of you are going through something now that your identity is being tested. That's normal. We're going to have times of testing. I want to. We're not going to put this on this on the screen. I want to say it, and I want you to either write it down or imprint it on your brain. Growth and comfort don't eat at the same table. My growth in the Lord, my my growth and my identity in Him, and my comfort in this world don't eat at the same table. Now, I'm not talking rest. Rest is a Sabbath rest. rest is part of it. Rest is part of growth. I'm talking comfort. Leave me alone. I just want my, my meatloaf and my cornbread. God, I don't want to be bothered. I don't want any trials. I don't want any tribulations. I don't want any struggle. That ain't happening. Growth and comfort don't eat at the same table. You, you can't nap all day and have strong muscles. I've tried it. Okay, you can't do it. It doesn't, it doesn't work. You can't skip leg day and have quads and calves and glutes and, and, and all of that. You, you, you can't. Growth and comfort don't eat at the same table. But by the same token, listen to me, you can't skip out on church all the time and grow in the Lord. You can't skip out on prayer all the time. On that, uh, that intimate talking with God and listening to, to his voice and listening to the holy spirit you can't skip out on that and grow in your identity you can't skip out on studying the word of god not just reading studying the word of god and grow in your identity you can't skip out on worship corporately worshiping singing raising of hands worshiping together and worshiping in your car when you're alone or in your house or with your family you can't skip out on those things and expect to grow if if you're going to leave, here's why, if you're going to leave Egypt, if you're going to leave that addiction, it comes with a battle. If you're going to leave that lust and pride, and by the way, those things go hand in hand, it's going to come with a battle. If you're going, if you're going to leave that selfish anger that hurts your marriage, hurts your family, it's going to come with a battle. Egypt, again, doesn't just give up easily. Side note, this is free. This isn't in the, isn't in the message. But I'm convinced for, for many of us, if not most of us, if we would quit answering every time Egypt knocked, it might quit knocking. Just because Egypt, Egypt knocks doesn't mean I have to answer. It doesn't mean I have to answer every time. So that's free anyways. Egypt is not going to give up easily. It's typically going to come with a battle Uh, for our identity. But here's the good news. He is for us. He's given us strength in him. He's given us power in him. He's given us meaning and purpose and and an identity in him. So I want to fast forward a little bit to the Apostle Paul here. Uh, I I want to give us some practical help with our identity. These are some things that are true. These are some things that we can think on And by the way, you need to be thinking on things. You can't can't Netflix your way into this. You've got to to chew on some of these things. And so I want to give you some things to chew on as you grow in your identity uh, in the Lord. Paul's going to help us with with this. It's it's going to come out of Ephesians chapter 1. And and just a little bit about Paul, uh, one of my heroes of the faith. Uh, other than Jesus, that is, that is my set number two, hero of the faith. Paul was, uh, had a 20-year public ministry. Uh, all through the book of Acts is mainly the, 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 the missionary journeys of Paul. Paul uh, walked, well, he traveled about 20,000 miles uh, and he walked most of that. He was shipwrecked, he was beaten, he was imprisoned, he was stoned and left for dead in Galatia. He was abandoned several times by friends. He spent a lot of those missionary uh, times in loneliness. How in the world did he get through it? How did he write two-thirds of the New Testament, which inspires us so much? In Christ. He never forgot his identity. I mean, you think you have problems. Have you been shipwrecked and beaten and stoned and left for dead and abandoned by friends and... And, and ridiculed by people in just about every town? I didn't think so. I haven't either. And so we can certainly do this. But Paul gives us some thoughts and ideas on how it is done. He writes to the church at Ephesus. By the way, that would just be a good book to read through, you and your family. It's six chapters. The first three chapters tell us who we are. The next three chapters tell us what we do with who we are. So we're going to jump into it. We're going to be in the first chapter. But... but. Um, There's four things I wanna share with you out of of this first chapter. Your identity, here's number one, your identity in Jesus is eternal. It's eternal. Let's look at Ephesians chapter one, verse three through six, verses three through six. Now he just gets out of the greeting here. We're transitioning right out of the greeting and into the meat. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places just as he chose us in him. That's our identity. In him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption. Again, predestined. He predetermined that we would be adopted into his family. When? Before he even formed us. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world as sons by Jesus Christ, sons and daughters by Jesus Christ to himself, According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the, be- in the beloved. Church, your roots are eternal. God knew you before he formed you. Before you mattered to your mama, you mattered to God. He gave you meaning and purpose and value and worth before you existed. I want to I read this won't be on the screen, but Psalm 139, jot this down in your notes. Psalm 139, beginning at verse 7. David knew this. Where can I go from your spirit? I'm sorry, verse 16. Let's start in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And my soul knows that very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. I was skillfully wrought in the lower parts. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. He knew you before he made you. Before he wrapped that beautiful soul into a body, he knew it. He gave you meaning and purpose and value and worth before you came along. My story didn't start October 12, 1961. God knew me before he made me. Some of you struggle with trauma, with what people have said to you or done to you or made you feel when you were young. And some of you even struggle with that now. But, but listen, I don't care what any parent any alcoholic stepfather, any abuser, or uh, any manipulator has said along the way how they've tried to make you feel small so they can control you. God knew you before he made you. He gave you meaning and purpose and value and worth long before he ever even made you. That's a beautiful thing, church. That's your identity. Your identity is eternal. Eternal. So we we, can't, we, got, we have to stop leaning on flimsy things. Have you ever leaned on something that that, that almost tipped over? That's what we do with the, the things in the world. Uh, it, listen, job is important. Career is important. I agree. Don't make it your all in all. It's not your identity. It, it's just not. I've seen so many people go from one bad relationship to the next because... Yes, they're codependent. Yes, they're trying to, 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 to make this person, their, their identity is, is, is in the creation. It's not in the creator. Don't lean on flimsy things. We don't have to. The answer is not to do that. The answer isn't to get blown around by every cultural thing. We have strong roots, church. They're eternal. Strong roots never fear strong winds. I don't care what's blowing around around you. You can have the most wonderful, abiding, joyful, strong relationship in Jesus, in Him, in Jesus, no matter what comes along culturally, no matter what comes into your life. We've got some strong roots, y'all. Here's the second one. Jesus bought and paid for your identity. He bought and paid for this new identity. Jesus did that. Let's look at Ephesians. We're just continuing on. We left off in verse 6. Let's look at verse 7. How does it begin? In him. In him we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. I want to read that slower. In him we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Jesus. According to the riches of his grace. Redemption means that he redeemed you. He bought you back. He rescued you. He redeemed you. He bought you. You belong to Him. You weren't, He wasn't lost, you were. He bought you. You belong to Him. Jesus bought and paid for that. Now, here's why that would have been important to, in Ephesus. Remember, Paul, uh, Paul pastored that church in Ephesus for three years. He left young Timothy. That's, that's where we get the. The, 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 Timothy in, in the Bible. Paul's writing to Timothy to encourage him as he pastors the church at Ephesus. So Paul knew Ephesus. He knew all about it, pastored it for three years. And he, he, he knew that right in their backyard, literally, was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was called, in Roman times, it was called the Temple of Diana. Now, Greco-Roman. So in the Greek times before that, it was the Temple of Artemis. And then Rome comes in, takes over, they, they take over the Greeks, and, and they like their architecture, and they like some things they got going on, so they keep them, but they rebrand them. So now this temple to a Greek goddess is now a temple to a Roman goddess, and as Rome would do, they paganize it up just a little bit. Now there is, now there's, there's temple prostitution. Uh, they add some other things like that, and, and Diana is the giver of life. And, and this thing was so big that if you, didn't, if you weren't employed there directly, one of your family was. Everybody, the whole city made money off this as people would travel through and buy trinkets and do all kinds of things and have to eat food and have to have lodging. It gave identity to Ephesus, and it gave identity to the people there. And, and, and Paul is saying, no, no. We have redemption through his blood. We have the forgiveness of sins through him. Jesus bought and paid for us. Now, we don't have the temple of Diana here in South Florida. Uh, I mean, you think, you think we have competition on Sundays at, at church? Yeah, think, about, think about them. You think the dolphins are competition? Just think if we had the seven wonders of the world, temple of Diana. We don't have that, but we do have the temple of self. We have the temple of self. And I know this about, about our enemy. If he can't get you to go back to Egypt, he'll get you to build a temple to you. He's going to take you one of those two directions. And and here's here's what I, I discover about the language that's on social media a lot, the language that's on even infomercials a lot, the language of our culture is, I want to be a better version of me. I want to be just, I'm just trying to be a better version of me. I'm trying to get all the negativity out. I'm, I'm doing things different this year. I'm, I'm going to get rid of negative people. I'm going to get rid of all the negativity. I'm going to work on me. This is my year. I'm going to be a better version of me. And, and, and listen, not all that language is, is wrong. It's, not all of it is, is off. But it can be. And it can get you going down a road that ends with self-worship. I want to be a better version of, uh, of me. I want to be a healthier version of me. Uh, the, the the reason Tracy and I do what we do healthwise is because I want to watch my little grandkids grow up. Little big Maisie, she's about this tall now. All the way to little my little man, little Hollis. There's five of them. I want to watch them grow up. I love them. I love my kids too. But I really love my really love my grandkids. I want to watch them grow up. I want to watch them graduate, man. I want to watch them. Uh, go, go to college or go to work or do what they do. I want to watch them get married. I want to, I want to be a great grandparent someday. So I want to be a better version of me in that way. I want to do what's healthy. I want to, I want to live a long life. Uh, Tracy and I always say we want to be, live long enough. We want to be a good influence on our kids, on our grandkids, and in our church. That's, that, I want to be a better version of, of those things. So I get some of the language, but if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll go to comfort. We'll do what, what feeds us. And we'll forget the, the, the language of the gospel. I mean, from the words of Jesus, those red letters in your Bible, if you have a red letter Bible, all the way through, really, all the way through the epistles of Paul and, and James and Peter, all of them, all the New Testament. It's not, it's not about self-fulfillment. It's about self-denial. That's the language of the gospel. It's, a, it's not about self-fulfillment. But, but me just... Just being a better version of of me and and sort of almost blindly going into that, I can can make that all about self-fulfillment. But the gospel is about about me surrendering. It's about me looking more like him and less like me. So so we have to be careful. Uh, We we, we really do. We have to be careful uh, with that. Your new life, I love this statement, your new life will cost you your old one. And I say amen to that. I say amen to that. I want This new life in Christ is exciting. Uh, and believe me, it is fulfilling. You, there's nothing like being filled with the Spirit. There's nothing like serving, being the hands and feet of Christ to your community. That's fulfilling. It's not self-fulfilling. That's God-fulfilling. And that's what I want. Jesus bought and paid for your new identity. Here's the third one. Your identity in Jesus comes with an inheritance. And everybody said, amen. Yes, we like this part. Your identity in Jesus comes with an inheritance. I want to read uh, Ephesians 1. We're just continuing on, 11 and 12. In him. You see how Paul, 148 times in Paul's epistles, he says, in him. He wants us to know that's our identity, in him. Also, we have obtained an inheritance. Thank you, Jesus. Being predestined or predetermined beforehand according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. That's eternal speaking. We're going to be to the praise of his glory. Here's Now, Pastor Eric's going to unpack what that inheritance looks like more and more in Life After Death, this, this, this series coming up. I want to say it this way, because the, here's the gospel of the language of the Gospels and really of the entire Bible is that every tribe and tongue and nation worshiping God is God's will. That's what he wants. Every tribe and tongue and nation in in the church worshiping him in unity. How do we get that? Well, here's how we get it. I want to to let you in on a little secret here. We're going to put this on the screen. What were to become there we're to practice here. We think of an inheritance. I'm going to be in heaven. I'm going to, you know, all this stuff. Listen, heaven, a lot of it is that we're going to be to the praise of his glory. He bought us. He owns us. We're his. We're going to glorify and worship him. What were to be there, we're to practice here. Every tribe and tongue and nation in unity, practicing that, loving the Lord. So look, here's how we make it happen. Ephesians 2 Verses 14 through 18. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, that's Jew and Gentile. That was the big schism in the early church. What what was the big division and and all the fights about in the early church? It was that Christians, Gentiles, and Christian Jews coming together and worshiping in the same house brought some friction. Their, their, their backgrounds were so different. Their origins were so different. Getting those two together, every tribe and tongue and nation, including Greeks and Jews in, and, and Gentiles and Jews in the same house, worshiping God in unity together. That's what he's talking about. He has made both one. He's broken down the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, think, think division when you see that word, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, this is the Mosaic law, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both, Jew and Gentile, to God in one body through the cross. That's important, through the cross. Thereby putting to death the enmity, the division, and he came and preached to you who were afar off, that's the Gentiles, and those who were near, that's the Jews. For through him, we both have access to one spirit by the Father." Church, we, that's God's will for us. Every tribe and tongue and nation. No walls, no division. Let me ask you something. If God has torn down that wall of separation, why at times are we divided? Why, at times, is the church, the universal ecclesia, the the, the church around the world, why do we divide over things? Why do we build back walls that God himself has torn down through Jesus? Why is it not? why, Why aren't we practicing here what we are to become there, every tribe and tongue and nation in love with God? Why do we let things outside these walls seep inside Why do we we put our identity in in things out there that so affect us that it, it affects our unity in here? I'm going to answer my own question. I'm going to go back to verse 16. That he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. Therefore, putting to death the division. Through in one body, that's the church, through the cross through the cross. When our identity becomes, when the cross to us, let me put it this way, when the cross becomes our identity and not just an accessory, that's when we'll begin to worship Him in every tribe and tongue and nation. When we really fully do make our identity in the Lord to where we've died in Him. The cross is an instrument of death. When we put our old self there, and we die to those things. Instead of just wearing it as an accessory, when we wear it as our identity, that's when every tribe and tongue and nation will worship him in unity. That's when we will really begin to practice here what we are there. Church, we can't put up walls where God himself has torn them down. Here's our last one today, and we're going to end with this. Your identity in Jesus is not forced. I'm just going to read this, and we're going to pray. In him, verse 13, Ephesians 1, verse 13. In him, there it is again. You also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Has that happened to you? Have you given your heart to Christ? Have you believed? Have you trusted? I'm glad Paul uses those two things in the same passage. The devil believes. The demons believe. They know more about God than we do. They they have an intellectual assent to a fact. But they haven't trusted. Have you trusted him? Have you, as best you know how. You don't have to know everything. As best you know how. God, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I want to put my my old life into yours. I want a new life, God. Give me one. (laughs) Come into my heart. Have you done that? There's no no better day and there's no better time to do it than right now. Thank you for listening to The Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.